0: Welcome back to the Mia's Mom podcast. I am Cambry, the host of this podcast, and I am back today with another guest episode. Mary Catherine Harden is here with me today to talk about her experiences through adoption. Welcome to Mia's Mom, MK. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Cam. Absolutely. I'm so excited that you're here. You were one of the very first people that I thought of whenever I was thinking about doing this podcast. And I'm so excited that you're here sharing your story with me and to everybody listening. I know it's going to be very helpful So go ahead and share a little bit about yourself so that everybody here can get to know you a little bit better.
1: Okay, well, I am a speech therapist by trade, but in 2008, I had a life-changing event and I decided after that event that I would open my own business and do things I had really dreamed about but had been too afraid of prior to that life change, and so I opened what's called Stars Academy in 2009 and we are an early intervention day treatment program in Arkansas and we provide OT, PT, speech therapy services, nursing services, nutritional services all day long to our kids that are here that are also in a full functioning preschool setting. So we generally have anywhere from 125 to 150 kids and we've got about 85 to 90 employees depending on the day and it's really exciting and we serve a lot of kids, a lot of families and have a lot of great employees and it's a very family atmosphere it's just been a dream of mine and it has literally it was literally my first born child.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, I always loved you doing stars. I think that that's such a great resource to the community, but since having Jack, I've really realized with him being diagnosed with apraxia how big of a resource that is to Batesville. So I just want to say I've always admired you for doing that. But since experiencing him with apraxia, I just think that that is such a great resource to Batesville and the Batesville community. So thank I you, love that. thank you so much. So share with us a little bit about your family too.
1: So I'm married to Chris, who I call Bruce or Brucey Poo, which you well know. And we've been <laughs> married over 20 years, and we have two children. Evans is 12, and Didi is 16, and they're both adopted. We are very busy. Yeah. chasing kids all the time. I never thought my life would be like this ever, <laughs> but it's fun. It's it's hard at times for sure, but it's never boring and it's a lot of fun. Uh, Chris yeah. is a school administrator and he's been doing that 25 years. I think he has about three more to go and then he can retire. And he recently started working on getting his pilot's license. He's very close to having the license. Yes. Oh my gosh, can you believe I it? Know that. And no. that's what he wants to do in retirement is he would like to fly people, you know, like in, in a small plane or, or personal, not commercial.
0: That is awesome. He's always wanted to do that.
1: He has always loved flying. And we recently went on a trip and um, we went in a, a private jet and the pilots were very nice and really told him a lot about it and then he just was fully on board with it that so is so cool he's, he is that. loving it
0: yeah, so I first met you and coach Harden in two thousand seven. I was a sophomore in high school. I played basketball for coach Harden, and I just absolutely loved him. I thought the world of him. And I was around him almost every day with basketball practice and stuff like that. But the first time that I remember being around you was at Harding Team Camp. Do you remember that?
1: Yes. And I had Zach and Alex with me. Yes.
0: And you made us peanut butter and honey sandwiches with orange slices. Do you remember that? Yes. (laughs) So... I never liked peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you changed my world with peanut butter and honey sandwiches. (laughs) Anytime I don't eat meat so anytime I'm like craving a sandwich I make a peanut butter and honey and I think of you every single time. That's awesome. That was the first time that I remember being around you but you were obviously around a lot more after that. You came to almost all of our games probably all of our games and you were at a lot of our practices too, you would pop in. And you always did such a great job of supporting Coach Harden and just loving all of us girls on his basketball team. And I just really appreciated that. I just loved y'all from the start. So I don't know if you listen to my podcast, but I had an episode with my mom for a Mother's Day special. And we talked briefly about... During my sophomore year of high school, I was just awful. I was just a total toot. And (laughs) I didn't care at all about what my parents thought about obeying them or anything like that. But I definitely cared what Coach Harden thought about me. And what we had talked about in that episode with my mom, I can't exactly remember what happened, but she was getting on to me or trying to get on to me and nothing was working, and she was like, I'm going to call Coach Harden and tell him. And I just looked at her dead in the eyes, and I was like, do it, because I didn't think that she would do it. And she pulled out her phone so fast and called him, and the next day he called me into his office and I did towels the entire, oh. the entire, like literally the entire practice. And I can't remember what it is that I did to my mom or I'm sure that I did something and I can't remember what it is, but I promise you that I'd never ever did it again after coach Harding getting on to me. Cause I was like, this is that never is so happening never. again. <laughs> yes. The dreaded towels. The dreaded towels. And I feel like they just had cleaned the floors. So it was just like, I was just like bouncing because I couldn't even push them. It was awful. But I just have always loved y'all. I've always loved him. He was such a great coach. And he was the first coach that I really wanted to work for, like work hard for. And his practices were so hard, but they were so much fun. And I busted my butt every single day. And that sophomore year of high school was just so much fun because of him. And I loved it. It was hard. And I was so looking forward to, like, the next two years Uh when I would be getting to play basketball for him. And then that was 2007, 2008. And later that year, he called us all together at a practice, and he told us that you had been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah and it was devastating for a lot of different reasons. He told us that he was going to be stepping down from Batesville as the head coach, moving over to Southside to take a less demanding job so that he could be with you. And obviously we were understanding, but yeah, a lot of people recognize October as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I was wondering if you would feel comfortable sharing your journey with us here.
1: Sure. That seems like so many years ago, 2008, but yet just yesterday, I so remember I had gone in December for my just annual visit, a wellness check, pap smear, all the things, and my doctor thought she felt something in one of my breasts, which I had very fibrotic tissues anyway, so she was very certain that I was just 33, and so she was very certain that it would not be you know, anything, but went ahead and wanted me to get a mammogram and an ultrasound done. So, I had the mammogram. Um, A good friend did the mammogram. She said, oh, it looks great. There's nothing on here. So, okay. So, go across the hall and do the ultrasound and it was like a little tech, and she kept doing, 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 and I could kind of tell that something was off a little bit. But then she went, and she actually got the doctor to come in and look. And he turned the screen around, and I could just see this big blob, this real um, jaggedy-looking blob. And he said that it really looked like breast cancer, and I, you know, would need to get it checked out. And I was like, okay, thank you. I was just in shock. But I remember walking out of the little exam room, and my my friend was standing there waiting on me and you know in the hospital they have those like clocks that hang off the wall they're like digital clocks and I remember it said 1204 I'll never forget that it's at 1204 and I just started crying and she said what do you need and I said I need Chris you know and so she called him and he just left school and came and got me and this was that, on a Friday y'all actually had a game oh that gosh. day and so I was freaking out I didn't know what to do my doctor called me later and said she was gonna you know get me in somewhere pretty quick that it looked pretty serious and that was the start of it really and that was a terrible probably 48 hours it took a little you know that was Friday and then on Monday was when I got to see the doctor and started my journey. But, and it turned out to be fine. I did elect to go all in and do the most, what gave me the least amount of recurrence and so I did do a double mastectomy and I did six rounds of very intensive chemo and it was hard it was really hard but I did the reconstruction and I it took a year this started in January and I finished in December and you guys were a huge part of keeping me where I needed to be in the right mindset I would go for a chemo and I would come back to a house that y'all would have decorated or cleaned or whatever and you guys would come visit me all the time and we just found, we were going through some old pictures. I don't know if you even remember this, but you and Kelsey and Kaylin, we were um, out to eat. And I didn't have any hair, you know, and I didn't wear a wig or a hat or anything. Yeah. And y'all were putting your hair <laughs> over my hair, you know, and making it look funny. But then you went and did it to Brucey yes. And it looks so real. Like, it, he looks like this 80s grunge rock band hair or something. And the kids were freaking out because you couldn't see Kelsey in the picture, you know. Yes. And they just were like, oh, my gosh dad what's happening what is this and <laughs> it was the, just those little things are the things that I really remember I don't remember a lot of the yuck yeah. you know I just remember you guys and so many other people that helped me through that that was that life event i was talking about earlier that you know i wasn't much of a risk taker before cancer but nothing'll change that you know when you right. think you're not going to be living much longer but i've i've been blessed and fortunate 5 years after that i was diagnosed with bladder cancer which was weird two different cancers so my doctors in Little Rock sent me to md anderson just to get you know a full workup and really get everything checked out that turned out fine it was very early stage got that out of there didn't have to have any treatments and and I've been fine ever since. So um, very blessed for yeah. sure.
0: I, I did not know about bladder cancer. Yes,
1: wow. yes, that was another fun journey in 2013.
0: Yeah. Did breast cancer or any kind of cancer run in your family? No, well, first
1: one. First one. I didn't have a gene. There was no genetic component to it. No.
0: That's absolutely insane. And also really scary, obviously, whenever you go in for a pap smear or just your regular exam, nobody's going to be with you. You're going to be going by yourself. Yes. It never hit me that you were by yourself at that appointment or that people are usually by themselves at those appointments when they find that kind of thing out.
1: Yes, that's one thing that I tell people if you have a suspicious something that you're going to go get checked, take someone with you because you just don't know, you know. And if you've got somebody with you and it's nothing, then you can go celebrate and eat later. But if it's something, you have somebody there because in that moment, time stops for you and you really don't hear. You're not, it's almost like you're out of your body watching everything happen. And so you don't know. Like you just, And it stays that way for several weeks until you can finally just get all the knowledge that you need and kind of get your plan and get your feet under you. And then even still, it's very foggy, but those first few days and weeks are hard.
0: So you mentioned that you could see us loving you. We loved y'all so much. We know that y'all loved us, and it felt like... We were just a family. We had our individual families also, but we were a team and we were a family. And I really felt that at the time. I know that a lot of the other girls felt that and still feel that to this day. We were kind of like y'all's kids. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Did y'all always want children or did that? No,
1: we did not. In fact, when we were dating, I was very... Very adamant with Brucey to say, "Listen, I don't want kids. I I just don't. I love children, but I don't want my own because I would want to be like my parents, and they were so sacrificing. And you know, in my twenties, I wasn't uh, ready to be sacrificing. So I was very clear on that, and he was on board, no problem. But." as luck would have it probably i don't know the year or two before maybe 2006 we had started kind of thinking about it maybe and then we had decided that summer in 2008 yes this is a good time we think we want kids well let's go ahead and and try and then thankfully god has a plan way bigger than what we will ever know and understand and we didn't have success and then in december You know, I had that appointment, January had breast cancer. Well, my breast cancer was a hormone fed breast cancer and it was very slow growing. So what I would, what I would come to find out is that it had been there a long time, several years. So had I gotten pregnant, it would have just fed that. I wouldn't have known it was there and it would have ended up all over me because you know, your hormones increase so much with pregnancy. Yeah. But because of that, I wouldn't be able to you know ever have a child of my own because it would those hormones would feed the cancer so we didn't really we just thought okay we're not meant to have kids and that was that and in that moment we just were focused on treatments and all of those things and then we went a little while you know well several years and i guess in. 2010, we started talking about well, maybe we could adopt, and we looked at foreign adoption. We got approved for a couple, even with my medical history. And then, obviously, through my work, we have a lot of kids that come in that are um, not necessarily in the best situations or are already in foster care. And we had a a little boy here that I just absolutely loved. And at that time I was the owner and I was still doing some speech therapy. And so I was doing speech therapy with him and he had been in foster care for a while and was going to be up for adoption. So we decided to go through the foster care classes so that we could hopefully adopt him. We were almost through with the classes and his dad, who didn't know where he was or anything like that they found his dad which ended up being the best thing ever for this child right and so while it was great for him here we were we had fin- finished with these classes and really didn't know what to do and so the lady that did our class was amazing and she said why don't you just say that you'll be a respite you know foster care do respite care and help people out if you need to and so We said we would do that, and right off the bat, we had a little girl here that was pretty severely involved. She had a lot of seizure activity, cleft palate, just a lot. was failure to thrive, very, very involved, and no one would take her because they were afraid of her. Middle of basketball season, what do we do? We take her, (laughs) and we had the best time with her. But we knew all along that she was going to, you know, we. I worked with the grandmother to get her ready to get her back home. And we ended up having her, I think like six to eight weeks, maybe had the best time with her. And it was just fun, you know, and we we knew the whole time that we wouldn't, we wouldn't keep her. So we got to the end of basketball season was about the time that she got to go back with grandma. And we were like, "Oh boy, this is not, this is hard work, you know, (laughs) but also at that time, we got another little girl here at stars and, um, She had been in a home and the home didn't want it. She was too hard for that home, they said. So DHS asked if we would take her for just a few days until she could get into a therapeutic home. And I was like, oh, I don't know. My husband's really tired. You know, well, (laughs) let me check with him. And so he said, well, let me come out there and meet her. So he did. And she was just a spunky funky little spitfire is what she was. And so he was like, oh yeah, we can, you know, for a few days. It'll be fun. And so we had her for like two days and I let the caseworker know I'm like, hey, listen, this kid does not need to be in therapeutic placement. She is just needs structure. That is it. And we have it. We don't have any kids. She goes with me every day. She's we'll keep her as long as you need us to. No problem. Okay. Well that was March 15th of two thousand and eleven. And that was our destiny, Deva, who we called Didi. And we just immediately, my entire family, um, especially my older brother, David, just fell in love with her. She just, she was so much fun. And she just... I don't know. We just fell in love with her, and we had no idea that we would ever get to adopt her. We just planned on keeping her until she would go back home. And then on April 11th, so just a few weeks later, we got a call from DHS that there had been a baby born, and they didn't even know gender Nothing and the baby was going to be an automatic adoption. Were we interested? And I'm like, oh my goodness, okay, this is a Thursday. I call Chris and he's like, oh gosh, well, <laughs> I guess get some more information. So they call back, he was a little boy, and we're like, okay, yes, we're all in because we got a little more information. And so we went from zero to two. So fast, we didn't even have a. We literally stopped at Walmart <laughs> and got a car seat on the way to pick him up. Oh my gosh! And my younger brother and his wife had had a baby about a year and a half before, so they brought us all their stuff that they had for Hoover until we could get some things. You know, and that's how we ended up with our Evans Ross. And Dee Dee was the best little mom. Like when we got home with him, she would say, "Oh, you we have to take the bottle and put that powder in there, put the water and shake it, and give it to him." She was the best little mama ever, and I was so worried about her because. We hadn't had time to really just pour into just her, but it worked out, you know, it really worked out. But it it was a crazy several months. Yeah. And that doesn't even talk about the fight we got in to have to to keep her, to get her, but the story with Evans was his maternal grandmother worked in the adoption part of DHS in the county that he was born, and her daughter was having this child, and they just literally could not afford him at the place they were in their life, and we didn't know, but she had selected us from all of the people, and, you know, we just never knew it, and they didn't want us to know in case the mom, you know, changed her mind, and so that's how we ended up with him so both of them were through DHS just to very different circumstances very very couldn't have been any more opposite
0: yeah that's why I love talking to people so you're my second person to talk to about adoption I talked to Jordan Dickerson who was actually one of my teammates on coach Harden's team about adopting her oldest son Jeremiah And his experience is so much different than Destiny's and so much different than Evan's. So it's just so neat to see how every single story is different and every single story is beautiful in their own way and works out. And I think it just makes us more knowledgeable on all of the different ways that you can become a mom. Yes, so many. So back up to Destiny. How long had y'all been her foster parent before you started going from foster parent into adoption? Well,
1: with it was just a few weeks when we got Evans. But with Dee, Dee it was a long time. We actually did not get to adopt her until, so we got her in March of 2011 and we did not adopt her until the end of July in 2012. Okay. And so it was a very long, drawn out, ugly experience. Yeah. (laughs) But I would go through it a million times over to have her. Yeah.
0: I remember y'all bringing Evans home because I actually came over to y'all's house. I think the day, it was either the day y'all got him or maybe like a day or two after that. And I was coming over just to hang out, I think, and I didn't know he was there. Y'all hadn't, like, told us or anything. And you pulled him out, and I was like, oh, my goodness, he was in, like, a little baby burrito. And you were like, hold him, hold him. I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to hold him. And I was holding him, and you were like, he's ours. We get to keep him. Do you remember that? Yes. Do you remember this happening? Yes. I was so excited for y'all and also just, like... Everything happened so fast. Yeah. I mean, it happened fast for y'all too. <laughs> y'all just got the call and stuff, but I was like... Ah,
1: crazy. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, you know, everybody is different. And so some people that are going to adopt are very open about it, and some people are not. And we were the are not. Mm-hmm. We did not even tell our parents. Like, we didn't tell anybody. No one knew we were doing these classes. Well, obviously, we ended up having to tell because we had the first baby and, you know, that we were fostering, but we never said the words adoption to anybody. So then here comes Evans and I literally had to call my mom and be like, Hey, so there's this thing I haven't been telling you that so we're adopting a baby and we're picking him up in like an hour and we need you to come stay with destiny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so crazy, yes, so with Evans, it was adoption from the start, so how quickly and smoothly did his adoption go, obviously so his went obviously. so smooth, yeah. yes. yes,
1: we just they just had to meet all the little timelines set forth you know by the state of Arkansas, okay. so his adoption was final in January, oh, so wow. it went okay. really quickly, you know, and there was no, I mean, there, we had very little engagement with DHS during that time. It was almost like an agency adoption, but through DHS, which makes it be a closed adoption. And, you know, in his case, I oftentimes wish it wasn't. My kids have very different experiences. You know, Diddy had four years with her biological family and, and it wasn't good, you know, And Evans didn't. He has no, nothing. He had nothing with his. And it's been really hard for him. And I wish it was open because I would certainly be more than willing to have a relationship with his mother and his biological family we openly talk in our home. It's never been a secret, you know, and I have no doubt I'm their mother, but I also know I'm not their biological mom. And we refer to them as mom and dad. And, you know, he'll say, I miss my mom. And we'll talk through that. And I have one that really wants to talk about it. And then I have one that does not, understandably. And the Harden House has spent Years in lots of therapy working through all of our things, we all have things, you know, and so it's a beautiful story and they each have such beautiful stories. and for them, they have to wait until they're eighteen. We all have to wait until they're eighteen to get that information so that we can start building those relationships, even with Dede's people, you know we all we could all be in that situation. Yeah, you know, we could all. Be in that situation so we are looking forward to that in different ways for sure and um, that's an important part of their life and they need that to be whole and healthy.
0: So if you adopt through DHS is it always a closed adoption? It
1: is always until a closed yes until 18. 18 is when you can access your file your DHS file.
0: Okay and at that point The child and the parents, I guess, can discuss whether or not they want to, or is it just up to the child? I guess it depends on the family.
1: Yeah, I guess it depends on the family. I mean, legally, if you're 18 and you could go get it. Okay. But I I have no doubt that when Evan's Ross hit (laughs) April 7th is 18, we will be at that place getting those records for him. He will need that and we will, that will be a great birthday for him.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) y'all did y'all end up fostering three children only we
1: did yes okay yeah after that we're like we were done
0: (laughs) yep done yeah oh my gosh (laughs) that's so amazing and How cool to, like, not want children to go through being a foster parent. What is that experience like with the first child that y'all were foster parents to? How was it getting to be her foster parent just for a brief moment? You said that you really worked on getting her and her grandma ready to, like, reunite. What is that like?
1: It was really fun. I think just because of my work— I'm used to that, you know, working with families and really empowering families, offering a lot of grace and love because we never know, you know, how we get to a situation. And I've never met a parent, no matter what situation they're in, that didn't love their child. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of fun. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't hard to let her go. I mean, we missed her, but we knew the whole time. And so I think that's just a lot of because of the experience i have in my work in my profession that made that more tolerable i'm not sure if not for that that i'd be able to do that i think I admire foster parents that can do that so regularly and offer so much grace and really work with the families, you know, and do the things. Because when it came to Dee, there was no grace. <laughs> you know, I was very frustrated with her um, biological mother and grandmother. And I just kept seeing their repeated disappointment in her. And so I think just because I knew with the first one I was filling in the gap. Right. I was just being there for that time. But I think just from very early on, even before we had Evans with Dee, I felt like I was her mother. I just always felt like I was Dee Dee's mom. And so it was, it was a lot different feeling with her. I probably would have fled the country with her before (laughs) I would have ever given her
0: back. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, so that I, I, I'm not sure if that was just kind of a one-off thing. I'm not sure I could do it again. And I don't know. I really don't know.
0: Gotcha. So what advice do you have for somebody interested in foster care, interested in getting in that whole system and trying that out, and then also somebody that's interested in adoption? Do you have any advice for each of those people?
1: I think the best advice I have is to know that it's it's hard working with a government agency. It doesn't necessarily mean the people are bad, but it's so bureaucratic. And there's so much red tape, per se. um, And it makes it very hard. And the ultimate goal is for reunification. And I hate that. But it is the system. And it is the system of the United States, not just Arkansas. And that means that the kids' interests are not the forefront of the DHS. And oftentimes there's an agenda and you have to be aware of that. It can be very ugly working with the DHS. It depends on the county. There are some that are so good and there are some that just are not. And that's sad. Um, You know, it's just an unfortunate reality of the system. So I always encourage people um, in Arkansas, I don't know if it is a nationwide thing, but we have The Call in Arkansas, which is a Christian affiliated group that helps kind of foster communication between foster parents and the DHS. I think that's a tremendous support. This is not something you can do without support, whether that's a church family that you have, your own extended family, work family, whatever it is. it's very emotional, and there's a lot of ups and downs. Now that I've been in therapy for so long, I wish that I would have had a therapist then to help me. It's just a lot to process. You have to have people to help you process all the different emotions because you're going to go from the highest highs to the lowest lows so quickly and so fast. But you have to do that because you're, that, you're the person for that kid. Or those kids. You know, you are their advocate. And so it's hard. It's emotionally hard. If you're going into it for adoption, then it just makes even that much more. I think we were so dumb to it. We opened our home as a foster and an adoptive home, but we really weren't sure what we were going to do. And so it wasn't like we were actively looking to adopt a child, and I think that made it different for us. We just really couldn't decide what we were going to do, and we we just we had gotten approved for foreign adoption. Here we were, an adoptive home through DHS. We just weren't sure. We had this little baby. She had gone back home to grandma, and one day Brucey was like, "We're going to have to decide, you know, which one we're going to do. We just can't stay in limbo." I'm like, "Okay," and so he said, "Let's just pray about it." and get to Sunday. Let's pray about it. We'll talk about it again on Sunday. So Sunday, we talk about it again. And I'm like, I'm not hearing anything. Like, I'm not getting a direction from Jesus. I don't know what this (laughs) is. But and he's like, I'm not either. I'm just not getting anything. And so we decided we would just pray a little bit longer and see. And so we were going to give it the week. Like, okay, well, Thursday is when Evans was born. So we had Dee Dee in our home. Thursday is when Evans was born. And so now what we know is that God was telling us, be still and be quiet and wait. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that is not my personality. So the fact that we even did, is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. But looking back now, you know, that's what we knew. And that's such, I still get chills every time I talk about that, just knowing, you know, God's plan is so much greater than yours. Right. It's just an amazing story. Yeah. You know, so I think for me, it's a little unique in that we were just kind of like, well, I don't know, you know, and then it just, bam, it just happened. Yeah. So that was kind of a, I think that's a little bit unique in that we weren't just like actively pursuing, but I also think that, you know, again, God, because he knew that, we, I just don't think my personality would have been able to handle that if, it, if we were constantly being disappointed or constantly trying to find a child, you know, that I don't, I don't think I'm a strong enough person to be able to, to do that. And I see that with so many people, you know, and I just think I wish I had that kind of strength to be able to do that because that is, that's real strength right there. That, that is, you know, an amazing human that can do that. Absolutely. Also, you know, our our daughter is black, Uh and that brings a whole different level into it. That was part of, a small part of the difficulty we had um, in adopting her. And, and, you know, back then, we just were like, we don't see color, you know. And I say that to mean she's just part of us. It doesn't matter you know, what her race, gender, any of that, it just didn't matter. It's never mattered to us with people. People are people. We're all humans. And I think we just, well, I know we totally underestimated the challenges that would come with that, but it is the best thing. I'm so thankful for it. But as a mother, my worries are so different than if, if my children were white Mm -hmm. and I, I don't even begin to reach the level of a black mother with black children. And, and also every day, I'm so thankful that she's a female. I don't know how I would get up every morning if she were a black young man. Right. And so that is huge. And it brings, I know it's a very touchy subject for a lot of people, but it, it helps me to, to understand and see white privilege. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It just means that it blinds us. We can love everybody, and I always have. But until we had Didi, there's a perspective that most white people will never understand. We don't have to apologize for that. Yeah. But we, we need to understand it and, and start to build that bridge of understanding and trying to connect with that you know and so for that I am so thankful but it's also very scary um, and the world that we live in now and we just think about things and you know I not only pray that she finds the mate God has intended for her but if that is a black man I pray for his safety every day. And then my grandchildren. There's just so much there. And even in our small town of Batesville, uh, we have connected you know, with the community that probably wouldn't have been so connected with. And just to even understand that their fear, just to, you know, people walk a lot in the local cemetery or walking trails and that they won't go without their dad, you know, or their husband. And it's just... It blows your mind. You know, you think this isn't real, but it is. And so that, you know, this interracial adoptions bring a whole different layer. But the good and the beauty of that far outweighs anything that isn't.
0: Absolutely. I saw you share the Sandra Bullock interview. I watched that on your stories. Was that today or yesterday? Yes,
1: that was this morning. This and morning. I've seen that and it's beautiful. And the the guy that had shared that and then his comments about it was just gorgeous. Absolutely. that uh, brought me to tears this morning. I was Dang. like, yes, this is what America needs.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mary Catherine. Yes. I absolutely loved talking to you today. This was such a treat. I feel like we haven't gotten to talk in so long, and this was so good. We're Zooming, so I'm getting to actually see your face, yes. it's just great. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing some of your story. You and Coach Harden are so special to me, and I wish that we lived closer to Batesville. We live so far away right now, and I just wish that we were closer so that we could see y'all a little bit more frequently. We haven't seen y'all in so long. And y'all have to meet Jack. Y'all yes, haven't even met Jack he yet. is
1: adorable. I love every part of Jack. <laughs> I just want to squeeze him.
0: <laughs> I know he's just so—he's such a happy little dude. And not the next time we come to not- Batesville, we gotta we gotta meet up. Yes.
1: It, yes. Oh, it's amazing. And I just want you to know, we tell our kids, like if we see old pictures or we'll run into somebody, but y'all's group, your group, when you were a sophomore, they know y'all as our first adopted kids. Like they know that, that y'all are the first adopted kids that we had, you know, and we'll say that, you know, like they'll see somebody and well, that's the first adopted kids. And yeah. to see you and Kaylin together. Oh, my mama heart was just loving every second of that. I was so thankful that you shared all that oh, on Instagram. and
0: oh. I hadn't seen, she's been so busy, you know, she's the big doctor yes. now. So now oh, yeah. that she is all done with that, she asked if she could come out here. And I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Just tell me when. And she was like, can I come this weekend? And I was like, absolutely, please, please yes. come out. And it was so great. I hadn't seen her. I thought that it was this past December, but it was the December before that. It had been quite a while since I had seen her so I was just so thankful to get to catch up with her and for her to spend time with Jack too It was just so special.
1: And it's so special to see y'all as just wonderful young women and I just want you to know I learned so much from you as a mother. You were the best mom for baby D and Jack and it's beautiful and it's no wonder that his disposition is the way that it is. You guys are great parents. And I just, I learn from you, Cam. I really do. And your two babies, just, you're such a wonderful mom. Oh,
0: you're going to make me cry. Thank you so much for saying that, MK.
1: Yeah. I love you. I love you so much. And I love just the woman that you have become and the mother and you're an amazing young lady.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I love you also. Oh, Before we sign off today, do you have anything else that we left out? No, I touched on so
1: much. Thank you for having me again. I hope, you know, if I've touched somebody, whether that's from a cancer, if I can help somebody with that or adoption, you know, anybody, you've got my number and you can share it readily. I tell everybody I'm uh, 24-7 because night times when everybody else is in bed is when it gets kind of scary and you need somebody to talk to and I'm always available.
0: Absolutely. I will do that. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Adoption is so awesome and beautiful, and I'm so thankful to MK for sharing her experiences both with adoption and with. her breast cancer journey and her other bladder cancer journey if you like today's episode please share it with a friend and if you are interested in being a guest and sharing your story please send me a message on instagram it is at me as mom pod i love hearing different stories and i believe that everybody has something that they can share thank you guys so much for listening today i will be back soon with another episode and i will talk with y'all then